Well, a very good morning to all of you, and it truly is a pleasure to be here among you and to worship in this historic church. Would you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, as we approach you this day, as we have for so many years, we pray your presence among us, that it would speak to us anew and speak to us with words that go beyond our past, that we would realize we are a part of so much something larger, so larger than we could possibly imagine. Enable us to see our role in your will in these times. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, also a hearty thanks to your rector, Rick Miles, who, as you and he indicated, we are classmates separated by a couple years uh, there at Princeton Seminary, but also to Major General Bolden, who's been a friend of mine for some time as well. He's been trying to get me here for a long time, but it took Rick just pulling me aside two weeks ago and saying, hey, are you free? And it just so happened I was. And wow, it's your bicentenarial year. <laughs> Not everyone can say that, either the word or the accomplishment. So I read a little bit about your church and its history, and of all the wonderful descriptions offered, the one that struck me the most was how the church crowned a little knoll. So there's clearly, or was, at least some prominence on the city landscape. It was in many ways a church on a hill, and, and not just any church but the first structure built to serve an ecclesiastical purpose. That's, that's quite a legacy. So let's talk about your beginnings. And, and before we do, I, I'm called to mind the passage we have, we've read today from the book of Acts. As the disciples were establishing their ministry, they gathered in an upper room, sorting out their membership, holding fast to their mission in the face of antagonists and adversaries. And then there was the death and the ascension of their leader. And all of a sudden, a violent wind rushed in and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues of fire appeared among them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And into ministry they were flung, speaking the gospel in languages as people were desperate to hear. So you may be sorting out a little bit, how does Acts relate to us as our church and its beginnings? Well, it may seem a bit of a stretch, but especially given your unique place in the inferno that engulfed the city in 1812, the similarities are worth noting. See, your website speaks of the actual construction of Christ Church, both the 1794 tobacco warehouse and the 1806 English country meets Gothic revival structure in which we, we worship today. When you think about what our country was going through at the time, we had gathered in a new government. We were sorting out congressional membership. We were holding fast as a country to our mission in the face of issues relating to taxation and territory. There were plenty of adversaries and the divisiveness of political parties. And then there was the death of the inimitable George Washington in 1799. It was only 15 years later that a violent army blew in and filled the city, and tongues of fire appeared among them. An inferno of such grand proportion that a tornado was spawned. Few buildings were spared, Christ Church being one of those few. Amidst the blood and fire and smoke, 
you prophesied, and into, your, into ministry your predecessors were flung. The mission of Christ's church was established in the sharing of the gospel so that so many were desperate to hear in their own language in those tumultuous times. Your, from your first days, living with and serving those around you, you were a beacon to the neighborhood. And this has been an important part of your legacy, to serve as Christ's light in a broken world. For 225 years, you have lived the gospel lesson we read this morning. You have been like salt and light. You have let Christ's light shine before others in the midst of social unrest. The Great Depression, World War II, the demographic changes in this illustrious city, the riots and the violence, the hippie movement. Heck, you even had a pot-smoking rector. <laughs> you stood tall in the midst of Vietnam. And in the face of history, a history of financial challenges as a congregation, in the face of restoration and repair, this church has stood firm on after-school programs and educational sessions of divisive issues, children's summer programs, food-centered fellowship, and relevant outreach like laundry love, salt, and light. Now it's true, notables have made Christ their spiritual home and their final resting place. But it's the ordinary citizen who has served as the backbone of the church's worship and witness, the reason for its mission from the very beginning. People like Sis Allen and her brother, Jack Hageman, who came with her family in 1931 and is remembered for her deep love of children, her welcoming smile, a ready supply of M&Ms, and a stash of toys at her home. And her brother, Jack, who started the Sunday morning breakfast that ran for many years after the early service. But then there are also the mothers to whom the crucifixion window was dedicated in 1927. Ordinary people. And the 70,000 children who are buried in the Congressional Cemetery amidst Congressional cenotaphs, who testify to the church's comfort and succor offered during a period of unfathomably high mortality rates. And then there are your neighbors, the Marines from the barracks, who, while far from ordinary, but have helped you mark every significant anniversary to include standing tall against the protests during your Terroir Quincentennial, your 175th. These men and women, the one I've ones I've mentioned and the ones who go unnamed, represent so many who come to D.C. in service to our country. People who come from cities and towns and boroughs and villages across the United States and from within this own town. American citizens who look toward this city on a hill for light in our country's darkness and tending the beacon that shines from Christ's church are folks like these, like you, the salt of the earth. Now, none of those accomplishments your 225 years boast are simply a matter of celebrity attendance, but of faithful, day-to-day, -day, 
down in the dirt, wrestling with the issues, daring to make a difference congregants like the thousands of unsung heroes whose good deeds have glorified our Father in heaven, week after week after week, in times of peace, in times of unrest. The prophet Joel makes it pretty clear that in the face of tumult, not unlike that which has marked our country's history and which threatens our country's present and future, the word of the Lord must be heard. The winds of time continue to blow, violent winds. But upon us, each one of us, rests the responsibility to speak, to live, to share the gospel in ways people will hear. And with that responsibility, like the mantle that was laid on the disciples 2,000 years ago in that upper room, comes the anointing of the Spirit, the empowering of Christ's church upon each of us to preserve the bicentenarial legacy, <laughs> to preserve the structure that served faithfully its ecclesiastical purpose, to be the church that crowns the knoll, to be the light of the world. Happy anniversary, and may you have many more. <laughs>